Good afternoon. I've been trying to make it to this conference uh, for quite some time now. It's great to finally have made it, even if um, for only a brief time. So first a word about the change in title and topic uh, since the uh, uh, original publicity indicated that I would be talking about four women. Um, uh, in 2014, I worked with a number of campus and uh, community members, uh, both in Missoula uh, and in Helena, um, including Martha Cole, uh, to commemorate the centennial of women's suffrage in Montana. And as part of our work, uh, we conducted research on several important advocates of women's suffrage and social reform in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Um, today I'm going to focus on just one of the uh, women uh, that the group researched and um, highlighted in an exhibit that we produced that traveled around the state. And the particular, uh, the particular piece of this work that I'm presenting today uh, benefits from research conducted by several students at U of M, including then master student Kayla Blackman, who is now gainfully employed as a historian with Historical Research Associates, um, and several University of Montana undergraduate students who took my course, History 371, Women in America from the Civil War to the Present, and chose to do research in the Maggie Smith Hathaway papers at the archives at the University of Montana as part of a history show and tell project uh, that was a class assignment. So I just want to be clear from the outset that while I am presenting the research today, this was a collaborative research project. I chose to speak about Maggie Smith Hathaway as opposed to one of the other four, in part because we are in her home county, Ravalli County. <coughs> Where is that? Is it this one? So here is Maggie Smith Hathaway. In addition to being a bit of rooter, and thus perhaps of particular interest to some of you, Maggie Smith Hathaway demonstrated women's commitment to state-level politics, exemplified the principles of social feminism, and advanced woman suffrage in Montana. Hathaway was uh, not a native Montanan. She was born in 1867 in Ottawa, Ohio. She came to Stevensville, Montana in 1893 when her father, who was a Methodist minister, accepted a position here. Hathaway's lifelong dedication to public service was rooted in her religious beliefs, her commitment to family, and her interest in education. Following in her father's footsteps, Hathaway was active in Methodist organizations from an early age, <clears throat> including the Epworth League, as well as moral reform groups such as the Women's Christian Temperance Union, or WCTU, which sought to curb alcoholism <clears throat> as a way to prevent domestic violence. Hathaway also took inspiration from her mother, who was a school teacher. Like many women of the era who became involved in politics and reform, Hathaway began her career in public life as a school teacher, accepting her first teaching job at the age of 15 in a schoolroom much like, but not the exact same as, this one. <laughs> She soon became principal of a school located near uh, her hometown of Stevensville and also served as county superintendent of schools in Helena. At the turn of the century, teaching school was a respectable job for an unmarried woman. Many Americans believed that women were uniquely suited to domestic life 
And if they did not have homes and children of their own, it was acceptable for them to pursue gainful employment in so-called helping or caretaking professions, such as teaching, nursing, or social work. Hathaway, then, was part of this tradition. When Hathaway married a fellow schoolteacher in 1911, she was already a distinguished career woman with an established reputation in the state. Many school districts at the time fired women school teachers who married. Whether or not Hathaway would have continued her career after marriage is unclear because her husband died barely six months after their wedding day. As a widow, Hathaway dedicated herself to state-level politics. Well before women gained the right to vote at either the state or the national level, they organized to promote civic reform. Indeed, women played a special role in the progressive era, commonly defined as spanning from 1880 to 1920, by promoting compulsory education, city sanitation, vaccination programs, public parks, food and drug regulation, well baby clinics, prison reform, labor legislation, municipal libraries, and a host of other city, county, and state services. If you pay taxes for it, women in the progressive era started it. <laughs> Hathaway thus joined a well-established tradition of women's community building and civic reform when she launched her career in state politics. <clears throat> From the beginning, one of the most important causes for Hathaway was prohibition. Hathaway believed that alcoholism was responsible for a host of social problems ranging from domestic violence to poverty and homelessness. Hathaway's participation in the National Women's Christian Temperance Union, or WCTU, as well as the Montana branch, the Montana WCTU, brought her into contact with a very diverse group of women reformers who were inspired by the organization's motto, Do Everything. <laughs> so like most uh, advocates of prohibition, um, Hathaway was a multifaceted reformer, uh, even though prohibition always remained dear to her heart. <clears throat> also, like many other members of the WCTU and similar women's organization, Hathaway was what historians refer to as a social feminist. That is to say that she believed that women had a distinctive contribution to make to local politics. Using women's traditional domestic role to justify their unconventional political activity, many social feminists advanced the idea of social housekeeping. Social feminists argued that women would use their skills as housekeepers to clean up both dirty politics and equally dirty city streets. Remember, city sanitation was one of the hallmarks of women's progressive reform. In addition, many social feminists hoped to use women's presumed moral superiority to bear on public life by combating prostitution, alcoholism, and gambling. Finally, many social feminists considered women as mothers or potential mothers to have special responsibility for advancing child welfare. In her commitment to good government, moral reform, and child welfare, Hathaway was a classic example of a social feminist. In order to implement the reform she envisioned, 
Hathaway committed herself to the cause of women's suffrage, the right to vote. She and her fellow suffrage advocates believed that if women voters had the right to cast a ballot, they would be inclined to vote against issues such as gambling, prostitution, and alcohol, and for issues such as child protective laws, city betterment projects, and community infrastructure. Suffrage then would allow women to apply the principles of social housekeeping to state politics. In order to get women the vote in Montana, Hathaway joined the National American Woman Suffrage Association, which thankfully is known for short as NASA. <laughs> At the time that Hathaway joined the organization, shortly after being widowed in 1911, uh, there had been a series of failed attempts to enact woman suffrage at the national level. NASA thus had turned to backing state campaigns for woman suffrage. Hathaway was eager to lend her support to the cause of the Montana suffrage campaign, but she soon butted heads with Jeanette Rankin of Missoula, who headed up the Montana effort. Hathaway uh, told Rankin that the state WCTU, the Montana Women's Christian Temperance Union, was willing to provide funding for a stumping tour so that Hathaway could speak on behalf of women's suffrage. Rankin, however, was worried that male voters would not support women's suffrage if it were too closely linked to prohibition and asked Hathaway to omit any mention of the WCTU in her speeches. As you might imagine, this did not go over well. The outraged Montana WCTU refused to fund the trip. Hathaway, rather than yield to the blandishments of either Rankin and NASA or the Montana WCTU, chose to fund her own travels, crisscrossing the state in a car much like, although not the same as, this one. <laughs> She recalled arriving in tiny towns and putting up her own posters. She borrowed chairs to stand on street corners, and she spoke from the backs of truck beds. Hathaway knew how to speak to Montanans. She elicited their support by telling funny stories first and talking politics second. According to one newspaper article, several amusing stories and the general humorous trend of her talk kept the audience laughing most of the time. And many gentlemen in the audience were seen nodding their heads in admiration, one of them even going so far as to say that, that she is all right. <laughs> Her clever stories, introduced at the most opportune time, kept the crowd in throes of laughter. Like other social feminists, Hathaway deflected critics of women's suffrage by arguing that the right to vote would not fundamentally change women's role. Rather, it would allow them to use their votes to improve the lives of Montana families. She argued that women would not abandon their homes if given access to the polls, as many critics feared. On the contrary, Hathaway said, the Montana woman will spend less time and energy than she now spends in trying to get men to see her point of view, if given direct access to the polls, rather than only the feeble uh, form of indirect influence over their husbands. <clears throat> Hathaway also appealed to Montana's pioneer spirit. In the American West, women and men, by necessity, worked together to establish homesteads and to build towns. 
Western suffragists often pointed to women's hard work on the frontier as evidence that they had earned the right to vote. Reflecting the unique circumstances of the American West, Hathaway appealed to Western men's sense of fair play, declaring, the men of Montana are big enough to give the women of Montana a square deal. By the time Hathaway concluded her suffrage tour of the state, the Anaconda Standard reported that she had traveled 5,379 miles between early June and November, again, in a car like this, visiting all but two county seats and earning the nicknames the Montana Hummer and the Whirlwind. On Election Day 1914, Montana voters adopted woman suffrage <clears throat> by the remarkable margin of 1,389 votes to 598 votes, lest you wonder if every vote counts. This would be a supreme example of how it does. Um, this made Montana the 11th state to enact state-level woman suffrage, a full six years before the federal suffrage amendment was adopted in 1920. Hathaway took great pride in the fact that when the ballots were returned, her home county of Ravalli passed the suffrage referendum by the largest margin. Never one to rest on her laurels, Hathaway seized the opportunity to run for state legislature. Her campaign, as reflected in her campaign poster here, was based on a workable farm loan law, efficiency and economy and government, more attention to child care, child welfare, an eight-hour workday, and, of course, prohibition. Hathaway won her seat by a narrow margin, but in 1916, along with Emma Ingalls of Flathead County, she took her seat as one of the two first women in the Montana state legislature. Ingalls and Hathaway did not have an easy time of it. Hathaway remembered keeping quiet at first, trying to figure out how the legislative process worked so that she could master it. Initially, Hathaway dedicated her time in office trying to keep bills from passing rather than trying to pass them herself. She struggled, she said, to keep bad laws from going onto the books, particularly those that threatened school budgets and thereby harm children. Just as she had during her campaign, Hathaway used humor to gain support. When other legislators were rude to her, Hathaway would simply say, I want no apologies. I am like the fellow whom the mule kicked. I just consider the source. <laughs> Hathaway also elicited popular support by adhering to prevailing notions of both patriotism and femininity. Unlike Jeanette Rankin, who suffered condemnation for her opposition to U.S. entry into World War I during her first term in the U.S. Congress, Hathaway garnered praise from her fellow Montanans by eagerly and uh, visibly committing to the war effort. Newspapers proudly spoke of the woman from Montana who built her own apple crates on her family farm rather than rely on manpower better used elsewhere. In addition, Hathaway, who was a real housekeeper as well as a social housekeeper, received positive attention for her domestic prowess. As one newspaper put it, in addition to making laws, she could also bake bread and raise a garden. <laughs> Hathaway also gained acclaim for her legislative actions. 
Initially, she built on her background in moral reform, chairing the Montana Committee of Public Morals. There really was such a thing. <laughs> in the Montana legislature, she supported laws, <coughs> uh, <coughs> enacting motion picture censorship, and keeping minors out of gambling halls, for example. Hathaway also backed the unsuccessful 1917 anti-cigarette bill, presenting studies showing that young men who smoked were backwards in their studies. She proposed that no one under age 18 could legally smoke or buy tobacco. At the time, however, Montanans were no more enthusiastic about regulating tobacco than they were about supporting prohibition, and the anti-cigarette bill failed. Nonetheless, petite, red-headed Hathaway quickly gained a reputation, as newspapers put it, as the biggest man in the house, <laughs> despite weighing only 115 pounds. She was re-elected in both 1918 and 1920, and during the 1920 legislative session was elected minority floor leader, becoming the first woman in the nation to hold that post. Throughout her tenure in the state legislature, Hathaway was a popular and effective lawmaker. Her fellow legislators joked that her name should be Mrs. Has Her Way, <laughs> but they always added, it is a good way. <laughs> Although her first term was dominated by moral reform, in subsequent terms, Hathaway turned her attention to women's rights. In 1919, she successfully promoted the first equal pay for equal work law in the nation, which read in part, it is unlawful to employ women in any occupation within the state of Montana for less compensation, salary, or wages than that paid to men for the same work. Hathaway also helped to pass the state's first equal guardianship law, granting mothers custody rights over their children, as well as the state's mother's pension law, which provided financial support to single mothers. After a failed bid for a national Congress seat, Hathaway was appointed to head the Montana Children's Bureau. She served the Montana Children's Bureau from 1925 to 1937. The Montana Children's Bureau, the state arm of the U.S. Children's Bureau, was partially funded by federal contributions. The Children's Bureau's task was to bring health care and social services to rural citizens and to promote children's health and welfare. Hathaway brought the office her usual drive and compassion. In the first two years alone, she oversaw the cases of 3,334 children. During Hathaway's tenure with the State Children's Bureau, Montana, like most other states in the nation, provided so-called mother's pensions to allow children from poverty-stricken families to remain in their own homes under their mother's care rather than being sent to institutions. In 1935, with the adoption of the Social Security Act under the New Deal, these programs became the Federal Aid to Dependent Children Program, later renamed Aid to Families with Dependent Children, or AFDC. This program remained in effect until welfare reform in 1996 and lives on in attenuated form uh, in the more restricted funding of Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, or TANF. For nearly four decades, Hathaway played an important role in Montana state politics, using the principles of social housekeeping and the power of women's suffrage to advance moral reform, women's rights, and the welfare state in Montana. Our objective, she would later recall, is to keep people out of trouble, 
to help them to help themselves. Hathaway embodied her own advice. Suffrage for her was only the beginning. Should you be interested in learning more about Hathaway and many other <laughs> remarkable individual women and groups of women who helped build uh, everything uh, in <laughs> the state of Montana, well, really, that's what it comes down to. If you have not yet discovered the joys of the uh, Montana Women's History Matters Project, um, I encourage you to visit montanawomenshistory.org. Thank you.